Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we're taking a look at chapters 5 through 10 of 2 Samuel. Chapter 5 starts with the elders of Israel come to Hebron and anoint David king over all of Israel. David was 30 years old when this happened, and he reigned for 40 years, seven and a half just over Judah, and then 33 years over all of Israel. Up to this time, the city of Jerusalem had never been captured by Israel because it was so heavenly fortified. So David made it a point to capture Jerusalem as his city, and he called it the city of David. He then later on built on even from the walls of that great city. In verses 11 and 12 of chapter 5, it says, Hiram, king of Tyre, sent David gifts And it was at that point in time that David realized that God had established him as king over Israel and that God had done it for the sake of the people of Israel. Sadly, it went on to say that David then took more wives and concubines and therefore he had more sons. Many of David's wives were for political reasons, and this was in contrary to the law in Deuteronomy 17, verses 16 through 20, with regards to Israel's kings. The Philistines came back onto the scene, and David asked the Lord if he should fight them, and God said yes, and the Philistines were defeated. Chapter 6 continues with David wanting to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. So they built a cart for it and brought it out of the house of Abinadab in Gibeah. They were all rejoicing with all kinds of instruments. And when the cart got to Nacon's threshing floor, it shook the ark and Uzzah put his hand on the ark of the Lord and he died instantly. This displeased David and he became afraid of the Lord that day. So David did not want to house the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem because he was afraid. So he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite, and it stayed there for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household so much so that the people noticed and they went and told King David. So King David brought the Ark into Jerusalem, but this time they brought it the right way by carrying it on poles, not on a cart. It also said that after they moved it six paces, then they made a sacrifice. It looks like David did a little research this time on how to approach the ark. David was so excited that he danced before the Lord with all his might, and David wore a linen ephod, which is what priests wear. As the Ark of the Lord came into the city of Jerusalem, Michal, Saul's daughter and David's first wife, saw David leaping and dancing, and she despised him in her heart. Remember, David had ripped her from a loving husband. 
Verse 17 says, They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. So here it looks as if David once again is acting in a priestly role. David then blessed the people and he gave gifts of food to all the people. David then turned to bless his own home and Michal came out to meet him and rebuked him for not being dignified before the people. David rebuked her and it says that she had no children till the day she died. So there never was a child born from both David and Saul's line mixed together. Chapter 7 starts with, And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all around, from all of his enemies, that David had the idea of building a temple for the Lord God and for the ark in order to rest there. He talked it over with Nathan the prophet, and he said, Go for it, for God is with you. Yet that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan and said, Go tell David he is not to build me the temple, but when he dies, his seed will come forth, and I will establish his kingdom, and he will build me a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. When he commits sin, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of children of men, but my mercy will not depart away from him as I took it from Saul. And your house and your kingdom will be established forever, and your throne will be established forever. When Nathan came the next morning and told King David, the king went before the Lord and prayed unto the Lord, and it began with, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me here? He then continues to praise the Lord. As chapter 7 started with peace, Chapter 8 shows all of David's military successes and that David now has accumulated wealth and chariots and footmen. With David as king, he has expanded the territory of Israel. It says in verse 15 that David reigned over all Israel and David executed judgment and justice unto all of the people. And then it lists his mighty men of leadership. David then sought anyone from the house of Saul in order to show kindness for Jonathan's sake. David found out from one of Saul's servants, Ziba, that Jonathan had a son who was lame in both feet named Mephibosheth. David brought him forth and told him that because of his father Jonathan, Mephibosheth was now going to dine at the king's table and David restored all of the land of Saul back to him. King David then appointed Ziba and his sons to serve Mephibosheth and all that he had. In chapter 10, we see that the king of the Ammonites died, and they had been at peace with Israel. David sent messengers to them with regret of the death of their king, but the men saw that as a hostile act, and they took the messengers and shaved half of their heads and half of their beards and sent them back to Israel in shame. This brought war. The Ammonites hired some Syrians to come and fight with them. 
Joab and his men began the fight, and they were successful. And as the Syrians and Ammonites began to retreat, then King David brought more men to fight, and Israel won. And the Ammonites and the Syrians served Israel. We end chapter 10 with David being on top of the world. He was right with God and right with man. We see a few things in these chapters. Number one, that David kept his word to Jonathan by looking out for his son Mephibosheth. This helps leads us also that we should be women who keep our word. And so sometimes we may need to just stop and pray and say, Lord, have I made promises or have I said something and I haven't done it? Would you please recall those things to mind so that I may be a woman of my word? Also, we are reminded that God is holy and we need to approach him in ways that he sets aside. It's interesting to me that King David did not know to carry the ark with poles. And so somehow the reading of scripture had not been done much at this time. Ladies, how do we approach God? Are we flippant or are we respectful? Or do we even stop to think about it? We need to remember God is holy and we should be respectful as we approach him. Then we also find that David had rest for a short time. And even in this passage, the last chapter went back to a war again. Life is full of ups and downs, but we need to make sure that we have rest. Remember, one of the Ten Commandments is to honor the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Rest is a big deal for the Lord. The older I get, the more I make sure that I have at least one day a month where I stay at home and I don't go anywhere and I don't meet with anybody and I just rest and I do whatever it is I feel like I need to do on that day. The older I get, I try to do it more than once a month. My ultimate goal is once a week, like a Sabbath day, but that's pretty hard to do still in the era in which we live. But I have found that when I do that, I am healthier mentally and able to handle the difficulties of the days. But the main emphasis of this whole passage has to do with God's promise to David and his covenant for an everlasting kingdom and someone to sit on that everlasting throne. If you remember way back in Genesis 3.15, God promises the serpent that he is sending one through the seed of Eve that will crush his head. Then in Genesis 17 verses 3 through 8, God makes a covenant with Abraham that he'll be a father of many nations. Kings will come from him and he will establish an everlasting covenant with his descendants. And then verses 15 and 16 say that that God will bless Sarah, his wife, with a son, and she will be the mother of nations, and kings of peoples will come from her. Well, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac, Isaac and Rebekah had Jacob, Jacob and Leah had Judah, and before Jacob dies, he blesses Judah by saying, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nation shall be his. That's Genesis chapter 49 through 10. Now hundreds of years later, the second king of Israel comes from the tribe of Judah. Then the Lord renews the covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah 
And God now says to David, the Lord will establish a house for you when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish my kingdom. And this will end up being Solomon, ladies. He will build me a house. And then it says your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Then over a thousand years later, a young virgin woman named Mary meets an angel and Gabriel says to her, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Luke 2 verses 29 through 33. This Jesus, he had to be flesh and blood in order to fulfill the prophecy of the line of David through the seed of Eve and of Mary. He had to be fully human. He had to be the son of man. Plus, in order for it to be an everlasting kingdom and for him to be able to crush the serpent's head, he also had to be fully God, the Son of God. That was the only way God could redeem his people to himself. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, Jesus died on the cross for us. His blood became the sacrifice that we needed. There's this beautiful hymn that says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. As David responded, so should we. Who am I, O sovereign Lord, that you have brought me to this place? Thank you, Lord Jesus. So ladies, today if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's be women who will obey whatever he's calling us to do today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and may God bless. Bye.